Well, that's what I'm doing on um, Twitter and Reddit. I'm just posting, 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 being stupid on it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just having having fun. But um, okay, so let's start episode eight, which is called Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs. This episode... You know, well, first of all, let's let's get super weird, Julia. We are. I'm super. I'm locked in. I'm <laughs> locked and loaded to get weird. I don't know what to, to think about. I mean, we're not actually that weird. I don't know. Maybe we're a little weird. I, I mean, know. we do That's go off for, on some peculiar tangents. That's not for me to judge. You know, I, mean, I love listen, it. I legitimately considered launching into a discussion about how uh that the show tricks us into caring about Rebecca, one of the ultra wealthy, and we really should be more concerning, concerned about, you know, class solidarity and eating the rich. So there is that. Yeah. But I didn't, I kept it, I kept it, I kept it down here because Rebecca's very charming. We've been through before my love of Rebecca. Well, I mean, we could have a, a podcast about like Marxism and the plight of the proletariat and all oh that. Oh my but- God. Can you imagine <laughs> if we had a political podcast it, it would be like 18 hours long like it would just be us and then like it would have to be like maybe and we could probably do it like every single day and every single day it would be like four or five hours long it would that, be terrible that no one would listen to it it wouldn't be well it wouldn't be really unlike this show it, it would be like um I think that the structure would be roughly the same <laughs> probably no I mean more of um you would get like super passionate about things. And then I would just be there like, yeah, so um, I don't really care, man. And here's a, here's my, if I have an opinion, it's an irrational take about stuff and whatever. Yeah. And you're um, like, okay. Let's get back on track. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I would be the, the straight man as I, as I normally am, but um, it's so weird. Cause that's not who we are in real life. Um, no, I, I'm putting on an artifice for this podcast. I know. And I can't manage to do it. The, the <laughs> case. No, I'm not actually putting, I mean, I am kind of, cause I have to bit. read, I have to read the recap, but, um, the, the dry humor is, is me, you know, but, um, How very all right. So let's, let's get on with this. Woo-woo. Let's go. All right. So episode eight starts out the morning after Everton. And there's just a whole bunch of scandalous shenanigans that have happened that we have to follow up on. Nate is hungover and sleeping in the luggage compartment under the bus. I think he's developed an affinity for that. Weird. I think it's, he didn't want to miss the bus. And I like how they're all, like, they're legitimately worried. And um, Sam speaks a touch of French. Um, oh, all right. And, you know, because my man has many talents, you know. But yeah. Another thing that we see here. Rebecca is doing a walk of shame out of her own hotel room until she realizes that she doesn't have to because it's her room. And so she tells a sexy waiter man that she's hooked up with from last episode, Oi, get out. So I love that. I love it. I love it. I also love her shirt. Like that you see more of it and it goes from silver to gold. Just, I like that shirt. It's very sparkly and I appreciate that. The last scandalous bit that we get is Ted watching Flo as she sleeps, which has to be the creepiest morning greeting that anybody can imagine. It is a touch creepy, but I, this is going to be something we're going to touch on. I love how nervous Ted is. Like you yeah. can see, like he is worried about himself. He's worried about, I, you don't normally see it. You normally see this post-coital freakout from women in shows. And so to see it from from a man is quite touching very very um endearing Mm -hmm. yeah like uh it's clear from his body language that he has some residual 
anxiety from last night. Um, and then there's also this look of shock that's on his face and what's making him act that way. Um, I can imagine is that this is probably the first woman he's been with in a while who wasn't Michelle. And then, you know, we also learn a little bit later that one nighters are not exactly Ted's style. So also I just want to comment. I have to give Ted kudos because that is my type other than the creepy staring. It's my type Mm -hmm. of greeting. He got her coffee. He extended her stay. I mean, he is a prince. Full pay on. for pay for room service pay for the room service full-on gentlemen okay that's a total prince um and i don't know what you other girls like but that's my type so i like that he one night stand and he's like he checks in and he's like i'm gonna leave you alone that's yeah, true you are. but he's also like, super neurotic like waiting for her to wake up so he can say goodbye it's so weird <laughs> it is a little weird it is but i also like the fact that it's a touch weird but it's not like deeply creepy it's only not creepy because it's dead, though. If it was somebody else, it'd like, be creepy. It is, it is that the room is clearly well lit. He's also clear, like, you also can see clear, he's being very awkward about it. Like, he doesn't quite know what to do. Yeah, he's like sitting there holding his backpack like a little boy waiting on the bus, which he was waiting on the bus. <laughs> he was. He's, it's very, again, I'm going to come back to this uh, uh, later in the episode. He's very non-threatening, which turns something that could be, it's still a touch creepy, but from something that could be like seriously creepy to a little bit endearing. Yeah. You can't watch strangers. You can only watch people after you've been with them for, you know, a, a number of years. If and then I they woke can... up to someone staring at me, regardless of who it was, I might murder them. <laughs> like, I, I like, what are you doing? Especially because I'm an ugly sleeper. I drool a lot. and I'm very sweaty. And I usually wake up and my hair is like in front of my, I, like, I look like Cousin Aunt when I wake up. Uh, you, you sleep like a child. I do. <laughs> I do. Okay. So once everyone is back at home, we follow up from some shenanigans that happened in Liverpool. Keely is checking up on her man, or rather her remains to be seen whether he's going to be her man. And, uh, you know, Roy is being weird. So she has to like, yeah, he's being a straight Dumbo so far. She has to figure out what's up with him. She tries to ask him out on a coffee date, but he's too busy today. He's busy. Yeah. He's busy. I don't know. I just like I like that he's being very vague about it, and then he shoes her off because he's going to make noises that he doesn't want her to hear. Nobody can hear his noises. Yeah, his uh, the masseuse is uh, rubbing down on some Roy Kent hamstrings, and uh, he. I would like a hamstring massage. I would too. Those are good. I bet I would also make really weird noises. I've occasionally had like one of the sports massages, and they're different, and they like you do make noises. Yeah. Cause they get in your trigger points and all that, right? Yeah, they get like all up. They get all up in there. Very and you feel great afterwards. Yeah, but uh, I could see making some unfortunate noises. Very deep tissue. Yeah. Uh, so Keely is still confused, and I just want to shake Roy and be like, Roy, use your words. You know words, okay? Use them. He does, and he's generally very communicative. Yeah, I think it's an aspect of what you've said before, which was which is that Keely throws Roy off. I really think he does. I yeah. think I think if he didn't care about Keely, he'd be very direct, but he does, and so he can't quite get it together. He yeah. can't quite be his normal self. That's why I think it always takes some like one or two tries to get their shit together. Yeah, and that happens with all of us, but um, I feel like it especially happens with men. With women, they really like a lot um Hmm. so 
that can be a very good sign with, with, uh, with men. So, you know, we'll see. I have my fingers crossed for Keely this whole episode. Ted is all shook up because he just had a one night stand, not something he typically does. He didn't say a word for the five hour drive back to London, Beard Notes, which, as you can imagine, was a record. Very yeah, weird for that's Ted. a record by about five hours. <laughs> yeah. One of the, I, I wrote down some of the quotes in this one, and that's one of the first ones I wrote down. So Ted tells Beard about the hookup with Flo and immediately called a meeting of the Diamond Dogs. <laughs> and, you know, they're back in the office. Uh, the boys come filing in, as is their duty to come and fix a uh, relationship problem for one of their members. I love how chuffed Nate is. Oh yeah, he's still like pleased as as Punch to just be a part of it. Yeah. So Ted is over there wigging out. He's pacing back and forth. He thinks it's fine if other people are all nuts for butts. (laughs) But he's not a one night stand sort of guy. Also, maybe he's coming to terms with the fact that he just legally got divorced once those papers are filed with the court. So I think it's that I think I think he's a little freaked out because he's done something that's very um, out of character for himself. And so he's like, I think, worried in a broader sense that he has done something wrong, mostly because it's so out of character. And I think that episode highlights it quite correctly, which is like he went from having like a mental breakdown to like a one night stand with a lady. With somebody that that, like she put it on him in my head. (laughs) So yeah, and Ted is now a free man. So he has to deal with the ramifications of that when he was very much tied down and wanting to stay tied down uh, before. So he's been kind of cut loose of no choosing on his own. And he took full advantage of it back in Liverpool. Shout out to Higgins for his casual ensemble in the scene. Did you notice that? He was looking real comfortable in his t-shirt and his little open he button looks down. Great. He looks great. I like that. I like that when he dresses normally, he dresses a lot. Like his clothing fits him a lot better. And when he's in his suits, it doesn't quite fit him mm-hmm. correctly. Like yeah. His suits are a little bigger, a little looser. But when he's in the shirt, like things, his clothing actually fits him much better. And that's um, also personality wise too, right? Like Yes. Higgins. Yeah. I, I think it's on purpose. Yeah. Love that. Um, and I just... In general, I like, I love Higgins in this episode. He offers multiple times throughout this episode. He offers truly excellent advice, not just to Ted, but to Roy. And then to later, Rebecca. Yes. He is, Higgins is crushing it. He is crushing it this episode. preaches the gospel this episode. He does. The word according to Higgins. Uh, So. it is good. (laughs) Amen. So. Nate comments about how lovely it is to be in a group discussing dynamics between men and women. He's chuffed. He's always dreamed of this, but, and it's so cute. So cute, Nate. Nate is never not cute, except for when he's being dark Nate. But, (laughs) but I was like, Nate, Ted is having a crisis and you're like talking about, you know, about like how nice this is I, for him. <laughs> I think he's so jazzed to be included and so happy that this has finally happened for him in his life that he just can't keep it to himself. Nate's kind of right. It is lovely. The little group that these guys have set up, mm-hmm. they really help Ted out. And, you know, the boys were f- firing on all cylinders when it came to advising Ted. So the first yeah. piece of advice that we get is don't tell Rebecca. I agree. You don't need to mix business and this type of personal information so i think that's a good one thank you beard wait did you before we move on 
he goes, I would just hate if I knew that she was keeping something from me. And Higgins yeah. gags. And yeah. I was like, shit. <laughs> Higgins, the that physical tell with Higgins is it, it's always a little gross to me because I get like the um uh the thing where like it makes me kind of gag a little too. Like you like like Nathan, like Nate Nate barfs up in that scene. He barfs into the oh, trash can. Because he was yeah hung over. But it's also I, I love that they have that little tell for Higgins. Um, cause it has to come out, but he's not strong enough yet to say what needs to be said. The second piece of advice that we get is that, uh, Ted is intent upon going 12 rounds with himself. That comes from Higgins. And the last thing that we get is them telling him to get some scissors and cut himself some slack, which is a one, two punch or an alley-oop from beer was- to Nate. He was so they and even Ted was thrilled with that one. And it was good advice. I think it's good advice. I I really think the scene is lovely. I think it's great to see one, um, like Ted reaching out and getting help from people he considers his closest friends. Like he has a support network here, and we see it. And I think it's important that we see it. But I also think it's again hitting on this thing that we hit on last episode. It's nice to see Ted nervous like you would usually see a breakdown like this in most television shows something like this would happen among female friends like that's basically like this breakdown is the entire plot of sex in the city it is like and so to see it in a in a show like this and to see men being so like wonderfully open and honest about emotions is is great and i think it's a great it's one of the truly wonderful things I love about the show and I think it's one of the greatest things about the show is is a show men who are like Roy Kent being the the biggest example of this but people who are engaged in very hyper masculine activities still being open and honest and emotional I think that's very important and I love it let's all appreciate the emotionally intelligent men that we have in our lives yes even if they're only on tv if if you don't have any get some so I mean I have a dog is he a man? Max a man, right? Technically, hmm. he's neutered. <laughs> Doesn't mean he's not a man. <laughs> um, all right, so here's where we get the great naming of this little troop, the Diamond Dogs. And we have Nate to thank for that. And he's so it pleased is, with himself. He's so pleased, and it is very creative because, you know, the Richmond, it goes with their mascot, right? Mm-hmm. And then also it is very fitting because taking from the lyrics of David Bowie's Diamond Dogs, they do keep their friends serene. So I love that. Okay. I got a controversial note here and I, okay. apologize, what is I apologize. It? In what advance. is it? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. All right. So for all of the Ted and Rebecca shippers. Oh, oh, thin ice. You do. Thin re- ice. <laughs> you do realize something, right? And so what? that's. Ted sleeping with Sassy with Flo mm-hmm. means that Ted and Rebecca can never happen now. It's against girl code. So I, I don't think I don't think Sassy has I don't think Sassy has girl code. Sassy totally has girl code. What are you I don't think about? she does. But I don't think Sassy considers their relationship to be anything more than a fling. Even a fling counts to me. My girl code. I don't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't for me. I'd like one a heads up, and be like. And I'd be like, okay. And other than that, I'd be like, yeah, sure, fine. You don't own someone just because you sleep with them. 
That is a very mature and correct response. However, <laughs> fuck all that. Um, I you 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 don't want. There are too many men out here. There are too many men. I think women, sassy. Options, I think sassy. Whatever. Is an advanced broad, and she would be like, yeah. I think she, she's a class. She's a class act. St- sassy is a class act with a filthy mouth, and uh, I think she'd be okay. All right. I will fist fight you about this. <laughs> uh, I fight with my words, Julia. Okay. I fight with my fists. <laughs> I'm not that clever, but I am strong. I am. I am. Um. I'm too delicate to fight with my fists. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> in the next scene, we look in on a very pressed looking Keely. She's super pressed because she's still pursuing Roy, like the very smart woman that she is. She sees a good thing and she's going after it. Oof. But he's he's not responding right, in my opinion, and in hers too, because she's all confused so being vague about having plans and like hung up about this you know and what's not going answering on texts yeah i mean he left her on red like i mean when we find out why later <gasps> it does make sense i don't know that i would be coherent enough i don't know what point of his night he's in but drag queens were involved so i can <laughs> but she doesn't know that at the point at that point no she doesn't know anything other than yeah. she's been left on red since like lunchtime that day yeah um she he was trying to or she was trying to get him out for a drink i believe and yeah. uh no no word from roy no but you know who does show up so oh my god yeah so keely's sad right and this is not the best state for her to be in no because who comes knocking at the door guess who guess who jamie tart so he shows up looking the way that men do when they've had a moment to think about what they've done. Yeah. You know, that face he has. Yeah. Well, that face works on me, boy. I tell you. And it does. Ugh, I hate it too. And you know what I think is really interesting about this exchange? It starts really short and it's like, it only, it's only a few sentences, but Jamie thinks Ted dropped him, dumped him, that he could have done something. He doesn't know. And Ted didn't tell him because uh, maybe he couldn't afterwards i don't know i don't i don't know why he couldn't have reached out and been like hey like it was rebecca's decision i didn't i don't maybe he did maybe we didn't see it but i think it's very important i think he thinks that whatever was going on with ted was basically a lie and that's kind of heartbreaking for jamie you can tell that it throws his opinion of ted a yeah. little bit the, and, it's the way that he said ted cut me yeah 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 also, side note, I don't know if you're going to get into all the nonsense that that uh, Jamie says, but he's right about place. <laughs> he is right about place. About, say it again, oh, oh about theater, place. about place. Place, yeah. yeah, about the theater. Like, you should be able to yell stuff back at them. Oh, I know. Uh, didn't you feel that way about Hamilton? I did. Well, I remember we saw the day we saw Hamilton was deeply surreal. That was, oh, I've got, oh. that was, oof. So we that was have, a I've, rough, rough day. I've blocked that one out. I, I was talking I, about other times I saw him. I, I literally, um, I actually regret that because that was such a great opportunity to have a, a memory with you in a great city oh, and you it know, was a, so, a great. It was but a I, rough, I, rough day. I blocked it out, man. Yeah, um, I, I remember being in a room. So, if anyone is listening for context, Ashley and I saw Hamilton together in New York, um, the day after the 2016 election. Yep. And it was one of the most surreal and bizarre days of 
of my life. Uh, I think of either of our lives. It was, uh, I remember crying in the streets of New York. I remember seeing people cry. I remember like you would just be walking and you would just see groups of people so- sobbing in the street, which is, yeah. again, it is New York City. That's not a rare thing to so, walk across. But, I would uh, say Julia is a rock solid person. And that was one of the few times that I can remember of having to like, feel like I had to shepherd you, like literally shepherd you through a, a physical street. So yeah, I don't, <laughs> uh, I'm also directionally challenged. Um, no, I mean, emotionally. I, yeah. Like, <laughs> but like you would see, and like the city was quiet and like, you could tell like in the theater, like there was like, you would just hear people in the theater crying not necessarily attached to what we were yeah, seeing and not during it's quiet uptown like just yeah uh, yeah just and like, oh and people were like we like yeah and like they kept getting weird applause breaks for stuff that the actors clearly weren't used to getting applause and that for. were out of context yeah yeah but we were applauding other stuff yeah yeah so it, it was wild it was if wild it was dark times so oh you're talking about some of the things that jamie yeah, said jamie was right so, about plays i maintain I maintain he's right about plays. You should be able to yell stuff at them. You should be able to get up and yell. Another crazy thing that he said was why he was in the city. So Man City had just played a good game against West Ham. That's why he was in London again. Mm -hmm. And the game was so good that it gave him a half chub. Like he fucking nut cluster, Jamie Tart. Uh, He's such a weirdo. The things that he said, there's a, there was a thread on, on Reddit this past weekend where it's just Jamie Tart quotes. And it was a lot of fun. Keely wonders if he's bringing his half chub over to her, you know, for a little, mm-hmm. you know, session or whatever. But really, he just came by to say thank you to Keely for helping him realize that he shouldn't get in his own way so much. And this was a very genuine moment. I just I feel torn about how well the rehabilitation of the image of Jamie is working on me because he's it's, a very handsome man. It's not that. It's the actor's acting. He's very good. He he he's selling he, it. He well, yes, and he plays it with a with a genuine, almost like a childishness to a lot it's, of it. It's, like a, it's childlike, yeah. He plays it with this childlike like nature to it. So like some of the stuff he says, I I, I can't imagine what would happen if I became very famous and very rich at twenty three. I'd probably be a goddamn monster. I can't I can't really blame Jamie for being a bit of a jackass. I just fully believe him when he shows up at Keeley's house. He didn't want anything from her other than to say thank you. After the sacrifice, after being returned to Man City, he's still thinking about it and processing what he learned, still processing his feelings. Mm. Yeah, it's very sweet. It got me. But she wants something more from him, uh, mainly because she's been working herself up over Roy. And I think she has a little moment of... I'm Keely Jones, goddammit, and uh, I'm a, I can pull somebody, all right? So it may not be the one that she's after, but she goes back to the old reliable and um, has a, a little bit of fun with, with Jamie. Yeah, and we have no indication that Jamie is like a selfish lover, so why not? I would hope that Jamie is a skilled and generous lover, although... I don't know is, that he would be generous, but he I He is a brat, and he's 23, so I'm thinking... Yeah, I don't not. think he's probably not generous, but he's probably... Uh, I imagine she's at least having a good time or she wouldn't. He, he probably lays some pipes. So good, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's good they're, they're probably having a good time. He, he's got the uh, the strength in those thighs to. God, anyway. Anyway, he's got the glutes to, you know, do some to work. To get it done. Anyway, so. <laughs> wow. Okay. This got 
um, TV, TV is life after dark here. Um, So the next morning at the club, Ted brings Rebecca biscuits and truffles to thank her for being there for him in Liverpool. I want to try, Again, want to try this. Another reason that I love Ted Lasso. People look at Ted Lasso and they're like, he's a goober. I don't get why people are fawning over him like he's some kind of sex symbol because he brings women cookies, chocolates, coffee, late check-ins, pays for room service. What is not to love? Yeah, I know. So I, I'm willing to bet that the team paid for some of that stuff. You think Ted is expensing it? <laughs> probably. I mean, hey, he probably is. So he offers to be there for Rebecca in return for her being there for him in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that she does need the support. Later on today, she's meeting with two minority owners of the team. The the boring, yeah, the boring 2% milk sisters. Oh, God bless. In Keely's world, she's working with Sam, Isaac, and Colin on branding opportunities. Roy walks in on her to finally reciprocate some energy back to her and ask her on a date. And she's like, what's your fucking problem? What's been going on with you? Yeah. To which Roy explains that he wants to take things slow. He's had a million one night stands and it's always, it always feels empty. He always ends up with either his watch stolen or some story in the press about how his penis has a curve in it. And uh, Keely's intrigued. And I think she asks, well, does it? You had some you had some feelings about this. So I love I love this whole exchange. One, I, Isaac has some very strong views on chocolate, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciate. Agree. I appreciate and enjoy. I think Rolos are delicious. They currently. are delicious. Yeah. Especially if you get like the the. I didn't like him when I was little, and then I grew up, and uh, I didn't like caramel when I was little. I don't know why. Understandable. It's unwieldy to deal with in your mouth. It is, especially when you're little and you don't have like that jaw strength to really deal with it. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I like that, I like that, I like that Roy is also having a hard time with this. So he's still very direct in his very direct manner, but his body language is very subdued in this scene. Like he's not like Roy getting all up in her face. He's, um, he's not always making eye contact with her. He's sometimes he's looking away or looking to the side or, you know, he's being very much like a teenage boy who doesn't quite know what to, how or how to express himself. You get the distinct impression that he likes Keely a lot. I wonder if this is like, I know Roy is quite old, but I can imagine, not quite old. You know what I mean? It's not that, but um, he's in his thirties. Yeah, he's supposed to be mid thirties, maybe. I think mid to late thirties, which is about when, is about as old as soccer players get. Yep. But it wouldn't totally shock me if this is because of his life, kind of like the first maybe serious adult relationship that he's had. Well, he says that he said he's had a million one night stands. And yeah. and the implication is that this is something different for him. So I don't I I don't know. I don't think we have a way of knowing yeah, I don't how many times know. he's pursued something seriously before, but we know that he does want to pursue something seriously with her and that it's out of the norm. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, Keely asked the right question about does his penis actually curve? He hits her with a really good line from this episode, which is, no, I just make it feel that way with my hips. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Bless him. Bless him. So for my own purposes, um, I'm just going to say that it does. uh, But that's Mm -hmm. that's just for me. And uh, 
So uh, Captain Hook continues and he says he should have told Keeley that he honestly was busy and that he's trying to take it slow. And uh, he notes for her very explicitly that he's trying to be more honest. And what you were saying about his body language, totally agree on that. He has to show contrition, like when he's coming to her with this, right? Because he realizes, like everybody knows, you don't leave somebody, not somebody that you're trying to date, especially not that early on, on red like that. I think that Roy does have a sense that he has been kind of going flighty. for, yeah, flighty, going for Keely and then pulling back. And I think he's trying to work through that. Yeah, so he's, he, he's aware. Slow is for he's him. A, right. Yeah, he's aware of this process that he's in and that he's not doing it in the most smooth manner. Mm-hmm. I, I I really love that. I love somebody kind of just coming up and being like, "Hey, I'm trying to work through this. Bear with me." I, I like that. I like it. I like the very honest. Like I also like that because he is trying to be honest with her, she becomes immediately honest with him, yep. which is, is that she spent last night with Jamie Tart. And this actually, I think, is another one of the things, genius bits of acting in this show. Um, and I think one of the things that makes Roy Kent quite so appealing here is that he clearly is angry, like furious, and you can tell it but he is never angry at Keely. So, yeah. And I think it's great the way that both of them handle each other in general. And an example is definitely seen within this interaction. They have a sense that what, what they're beginning to develop is like worth it. So you see, you see both of them fighting for the opportunity to see if this can turn into something real repeatedly right so Roy if he didn't have a sense of almost faith in what's developing in terms of a relationship with Keely he maybe would have let those grunts materialize into words you know Keely she's thrown off by it but she invites him back she says come back to me when you find words again so you see them constantly moving towards each other and they're doing this little dance of you know, yeah, moving think- away from each other, moving towards each other, moving away from each other, moving towards each other. I think that that's part of the thing that makes that so this, great. Re- this relationship so alluring for the audience. Yeah. And I, I think that like Keely knows she's met, she messed up and that she knows she did it specifically to be, she's not, I don't think ashamed that she slept with Jamie, but she's not pleased with herself that she did it explicitly to hurt Roy. Yeah. And like he does have like, and they're just like, you're right. There's, they, they both so strongly believe that there's, there's a future here, that there could be something great here, something yep. serious, something real here, that they're, that they're just, I think Roy is just so mad that it's, it's hard, like, like, you know, it's not a storybook romance. I think it's, it's, there's being missteps and they're, they're both, they're fum- there's fumbling on both sides. Yeah. He Did also you, hates Jamie Tart. So. He does also. He does also really fucking hate Jamie Tart. I think most but of like that he, grunting is about Jamie. Yeah, yeah, I think it's most like if it had been like anyone else, if some like, other oh, guy, I, yeah. even if she's like, yeah, I slept with Ted, he would have been like, okay, whatever. Also, like, I think was, he would have just made fun of her yeah. if it had been Ted, but I don't think he would have been uh, a, like, I don't think he would have caused such consternation. Also, what about this? Had it been some other random guy? Yeah, random like Isaac or like or no 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 yet. no nobody that we know just some other random guy Keely would not have told Roy I 
think he it's not his have. business. No, no I think she, they're nothing. I think, I, in my opinion, I think she would have been partially made, telling him because it is Jamie. I think she is telling him yes because she, it makes it worse. But I think she still would have told him that it because they were being honest. He was being honest, and I think she realized that was he was opening himself up, and she would have done the same. She would have said, "Hey." Because you didn't tell me this. I was frustrated with you last night and I did this thing because I didn't know where we were. So much, I did, much less of a bigger deal though, if it was yeah, Amanda. It yeah. would have been. I think I I think Roy would have just been like, I don't I don't care. Yeah. Like you're it would have been it would have been the same thing he always says, which is like which which starts out the conversation, which is you're we've both had sex with a lot of people. Why are we bragging about it? Yeah, why, like, why? It I don't know why we're like, bragging about it. <laughs> yeah, it would have just been like who cares but the fact yeah. that it's jamie is a problem okay so moving on so roy is in a grunting tissy about he this is a full-blown yeah he is and he goes on to see okay the, the a1 crew here he goes to see ted of all people really interesting that he picked Ted. i love shows it. something about roy's evolution of, of how he thinks about ted and ted of course rounds up the diamond dogs yeah, I like that Roy is pacing like a child in a lot of these scenes. Like he is, yeah. he is very much so like a teenager. He's trying to figure this out. He's trying to work through I like, this. I like it's. I like it, and I like that Ted teases him when he comes in about. about well, this is another t- line I wrote down. Was does my face look like it's in the mood for a shape based joke? <laughs> oh, the love triangle. When the Ted love commented triangle. about love triangles and the mother in law dodecahedron. Yeah. And he just goes, does my does my face look like it's in the mood for a shape-based joke? Ted is a lover of many things. Uh geometry, I would not have guessed, but that's that's yeah. Just as good as any Ted. Just as good as any and it, Ted <laughs> is on fire with the lines. This this um this this episode. Yeah, God, he is he is lighting it up and I love it. I love it. So Ted kicks off this diamond dog session by saying that Roy and Keeley are like cookies and cream. And mm-hmm. hard agree, Ted. And I love right. that everyone knows, like everyone, like call them in, and like and um, uh, uh, uh Nate is like, well, this is about uh Keely then, and like everyone is like, yes, yes, of course, of course, and then just like moves forward. Everyone is like seeing yeah. them flirting. They, they, yes, they know about it. Roy and Keely. The Diamond Dogs also know their function. I mean, they don't even they don't have to choreograph any of this, right? They just mm-hmm. know how to um, counsel each other in these sessions and the roles Love that it. each of them are supposed to play. So Roy is worried about Keely's past, specifically her past with Jamie. The boys don't get what Roy's problem is. And furthermore, they help set him straight. And this is when you get these great, this, like I said, this great verbal choreography that you get from them again. Um, so we, we hear from the Diamond Dogs, to be liked by someone like Keely is wonderful. That comes from Nate. Thank you, Nate. Love it. And fuck yeah, George and I were Gershwin, the brothers Gershwin. I, I just imagine Nate like around his apartment, like dancing to this wonderful, like it's wonderful, it's marvelous. Like, you know, anyway, that's just in my head. Uh, Roy, they, they also add that Roy shouldn't let her pass and muck around with their future. Thank you, Ted. And even though she slept with uh, Jamie last night, they're not official. This is the thing that I think makes it kind of, like very clear is is like Nate goes well were you official and then I think Higgins goes had you slept together like yet and then thank you Higgins yep and then Beard comes in with the the closing advice which is grow up and get over it 
Thank you, Beard. Crushing it. They are crushing, crushing it. it. So I I love uh, the rhythm that they set out in this dialogue. And like I said, it's like choreo, it's like dancing, but it's yeah. also like sports, right? So They're like passing in, the ball. Yeah, like in football where you pass to like a number of players until somebody's able to line up with the ball and take the shot. Um, each one of the team plays an important role in getting to the point where they can bring it home and score that final goals. Great writing. I think it's great. So the next time we check in with Roy and Keely again, Keely's working with Danny to figure out how to brand joy and sell it to people for free. A very Danny thing to do, to want to know how to do. Now, before Danny leaves, I swear I hear him call Roy Captain Hook, but maybe that was just my imagination. I think it was your imagination, <laughs> Dolphus. So, uh, oh, and then look up the song Captain Hook by Megan Thee Stallion. I think that's Roy's theme song. So uh, it's also a bop. It's really good. So Roy comes in feeling his oats and he announces to Keely that he's a grown man, not a baby child. <laughs> <laughs> Both him and uh, Jamie have interesting ways of talking about babies. <laughs> like with, with Jamie, it's baby. baby. And, uh, <laughs> Sexy baby. <laughs> um, that accent is something else. Okay. Uh, and great. then Roy also notes that he's not mad about the Jamie thing. He's over it. So he decides, okay to grow up, get over it. As Beard said, this Love was it. a very Oprah light bulb moment to me. What do you mean? You know, like, you know how Oprah says like the light bulb is a light bulb moment, the light bulb going off. So he had a revelation, basically he had an epiphany and I'm proud of Roy for it. It shows well, a lot of rapid growth on his part and well, I, also the value of the council of the diamond dogs. I think, and I think they lay it out why too. The epiphany is, is that he likes her more than he hates him. Yeah. And so it's more important to him. Like, I love it. I don't know. You know my feelings on Roy. I do. Oh, I love him. Go also, ahead. I love two other things about this scene. One, yes. Keely being super extra and pretending to be reporters, like hopping around different I chairs, <laughs> asking him questions. Yeah. Keely Jones, the independent woman. Mm hmm. The independent woman online edition. <laughs> yeah. Sunday insert. Yeah. And. <laughs> Two, I loved Roy calling out something different each time when he calls on her that he likes yeah. about her. So it was you with the, the hair, the woman with the hair, the woman with the eyes, the, the fucking eyes, because he think he couldn't think. We see why these two are like meant to be together, right? Yeah, and then he storms off. He goes, he, goes, he, he ends the interview with that's it. See you on the pitch. Yeah, just, she, well, she asked about that curve again. So yeah, I know, but I lo I love that he goes. I'm done with questions. I'll see you on the pitch. It just goes off. So later on, the man in black and alien superstar Keely Jones herself <laughs> have their first date, and we find out about Roy's pastime hanging out with sixty-year-old ladies who have no idea who he is, doing I yoga and going to drag shows at GAY at two a.m. Yeah. in the morning. <laughs> I also think that's really healthy of Roy is this like you because you can see I think him kind of getting he clearly at one point got tired of being told what he wanted to hear and with people just being impressed with who he was as a person you know because he's Roy Kent and so he like purposely seeks out people who will not kowtow to him because he's Roy Kent and he it's a bunch of 60 year old women who have no idea who he is because they don't give a shit. Maybe so. I mean, I don't know how he landed with these ladies. 
I think I like to pretend that it's just like an inherent um, kinship that they find, you know, I like Roy so. needs to do yoga for his athletic for, ability. Yeah, he needs but, to do it. And and I also kind of want to imagine like me and Roy could hang out because I, I do all of these things like his, his Saturday night don't look that different from mine. I know. Um, but the way that he says, I don't do yoga though. get into it it's great no I hate yoga I hate yoga so much the way that he says that he does it for his core like he means his physical core like his abdomen his back his pelvic floor whatever yeah but I like to pretend that he means it's his other core like the core of his being you know like it is is enriching to him to hang yeah I suspect he got it so this is my theory this is my head canon is is it because I know a lot of athletes tend to get into it once they get hurt like because it's can it can be useful to kind of keep muscle tone up when you had an injury so I suspect he had like a like a minor injury and he was using that and that's how he met all these like old women and he realized yeah like he loved hanging out with them I love these broads so I think it's fair and applicable to describe Roy as hyper masculine in terms of his presentation his his physical appearance definitely Mm because that that chest sweater and that beard and thick is all that's testosterone right there baby um Mm -hmm. I just hope he doesn't lose that hair, you know, I don't know, I don't think but, so. uh, uh, but that's not my point. My, my point is, you know, <laughs> he comes off masculine in, in terms of, uh, how he speaks and, and things like that as well, but there is a quality to Roy that he's very much in touch with his feminine side. Right. So he not only takes after, um, little Phoebe, but he mm-hmm. also kind of gets along with little Phoebe. Right. And you can imagine him enjoying the things that she enjoys, like watching frozen and seeing, let it go. You know, he gets along with these 60-year-old ladies. Um, he uh, has a great r- rapport with Keely and, like, recognizes her as the independent, you know, self-determined woman that she is. Uh, there's some other things that we see from Roy that are very woman-friendly and woman-focused. So I love, I, I, I like all that. Give me some of that. Yes. <sighs> yes, I agree with you, but I don't believe that there's any such thing as, like, your masculine or feminine side. I think it's just the way you're... Uh, you know culturally expected to act um because I think at the end of the day we're all humans and we are more alike than we are different anyway let's see here that's my soapbox the fact that um Ted could even get him to read that book at the beginning shows that he's like he's open and he, he embodies the episode the um he embodies um something like of Ted uh and I think that's one of the reasons why Ted could get through to him and why he does trust Ted to a certain extent which is and we don't we don't touch on this until a bit later in the episode but it's the be you know be curious not judgmental Mm -hmm. like like Roy is fundamentally a curious person and that leads him to an openness because you can't be you can't be open and not curious yeah you can't be open and not curious like because curiosity means you're going to find something new um and so like they are kind of traits that are very much so tied together Mm -hmm. they kiss and he takes keely home to cook for her right bless his heart and but before he does he takes a photo card from a from the camera of a photographer who was out there stalking them and um i just i I love the ending i have in my notes squee so i (laughs) squeed love it uh him taking her home to cook for him and and standing up to that photog Later, Ted and Rebecca go to meet the Milk Sisters over at the Crown and Anchor. Oh, lucky they run into trash bucket ass Rupert and yes, Bex. But, but first, but first, Ted and the Milk 
puns. He is on a glorious, glorious run of puns with his the milk-based puns. He is pleased as punched. He is so happy. And he's deeply enjoying annoying the Wait, shit out of Rebecca. He goes on this wonderful run of like insane puns. Actually, uh, you know, Rupert has orchestrated this run-in. It's not just a chance meeting. And apparently he's convinced the Milk Sisters to sell their minority stake to Bex as a way of getting around their divorce settlement rules, barring him from owning any part of the team. Do you think he could do this like legally? Is that like, I feel like, I truly feel like, um, um, like Rebecca could kind of come at him through that. Well, because I mean, especially it, if they get married, then it's a shared asset. Well, well, it certainly goes against the spirit of what sounds like their divorce agreement is the settlement agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, but could he technically do it? Probably. Probably what a court would try to do is try to preserve both people's rights in this case. And by both people, I mean, Rebecca and Bex. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both of their ownership rights or their property rights so Rebecca would have to um you know the the settlement agreement that says that Rupert can't own any of the team would have to stand and be preserved Beck's ability to have an ownership interest that she rightfully purchases even if it's with Rupert's money um would have to be preserved and so they'd probably amend the settlement agreement to say that um the ownership of the team would have to be sequestered off in a certain way where Rupert technically has no ownership interest in it. So it's not a shared asset between them and that Bex has full asset over it or, or full control uh, over that ownership stake. So, and, but it, it would still be then, but like, but practically be- he, he's, he's the, he's the puppet master for Bex. Right? Yeah. So, so practically yeah. it doesn't get around the issue, but legally they could devise a way to do it. I don't like how sneaky, sneaky, sneaky he is. Oh, and just one Eensy, beensy, additional piece of news. Rupert has revealed that he and Bex are engaged. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Because she's like, what? How old is that poor child? Like 27? I don't know. She's in her 20s. You know, she's legal. Maybe 30. She's maybe 30. Everyone, you know, he's doing the Rupert thing that he does. So everyone's there loving him. They're shitting on Ted. Uh, Of course, He's stealing Rebecca's thunder again. And he taunts them. Yeah, just the absolute worst. He taunts them by saying that he's going to be in the owner's box every week. He underscores that he will be relentless. So he's not even trying to hide the fact that he's a terrible, terrible, terrible rat turd of a person. Um, He's coming directly at Rebecca and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. But we spoke on it last episode that... Rupert's behavior is abusive. Like he is, he is doing this to fuck with Rebecca. Like his constant, like this is abuse. This is emotional abuse. And it's because she has stepped out of, out of his control that he is trying to find more ways that he can control her. I feel bad for Bex, to be honest, because I don't know what the hell she's getting out of this relationship. She's got to see that, like, she doesn't seem like an idiot person. I don't gotta I, see that it's clearly I don't know I don't even know how many speaking lines she has up until this point yeah um, but she uh let's just hope that there's not a prenup and that she can get a nice little chunk, <laughs> a nice chunk. little chunk of change on her way out you know yeah, plus. but so this is when my husband 
Ted Lasso has had enough. God damn it. He yes. steps in and he does a little bit of white knighting, which in uh, this case, I'm totally fine with. I love and I love that she, he kind of runs it by her first. I think that's what makes it. And I and you get the distinct impression he's not doing it just because it's for Rebecca, but he would do this for anyone. He would. But she asked him, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I call it, you know, I believe they call this a little bit of white knighting. Uh, so bring on the uh, the chivalry there, Ted. Rupert, the fool he is, challenges undercovered dark shark Ted Lasso to a game. Oh, yeah. And the wager is set by Ted. And he says, if Rupert wins, he gets to pick the lineup of the last two games of the season. If Ted wins, Rupert can't go anywhere near that owner's box. So, of course, I'm pulling for Ted at this point. And Ted goes on to do the coolest shit I've ever seen. He spanks Rupert, scoring an unlikely two triple 20s and a bullseye to win the game. Now, while he's whooping Rupert's ass, he tells a story about how he learned how to play darts as a kid. And basically, it was that between the ages of 10 and 16, he went to sports bars every Sunday with his dad, would watch the game and would play darts up until his dad died. Uh, so we get a lot of Ted Lasso backstory. Maybe we find out a little bit why he likes the drink so much. You know, Maybe I mean? a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I also think you notice that Rebecca notices about his dad. Yeah. Like you notice that Rebecca clocks that his dad died when he was young. Yep. And so that softens her a little bit towards Ted, I think. And Ted gives gives this really great speech about people underestimating him and him noticing a Walt Whitman quote on the side of his kid of his kid's school. And he applies that to all these people. He says, guys, you know, men that have underestimated him throughout his life. Ted basically comes to the conclusion that had Rupert been curious and not judgmental, which is the Whitman quote. I don't know if Whitman actually said that, but, you know, Ted says that had Rupert been curious and not judgmental, he would have asked Ted whether or not he could play darts and not underestimated him. So we learned some things about Ted here. He's cool as shit. Okay. Finally, Rupert's woman has to collect him. Like she has to collect him in shame and cart him away. Like he'd just been in a street fight and got his ass whooped, you know, and then your girl has to like patch you up and cart you off. Yeah, but he's... Go patch up your boo-boos. He still gets one little jab in at Re- Rebecca calling her a wonderful consolation prize. He calls her a consolation prize, which I would have not liked. But um, He calls yeah. that of the new Rebecca. Yes, Bex. yes, Bex. That he is not that, a compliment. No, it's not, but it's a jab at Rebecca. that He's saying that, well, at least he's still got this pretty broad. And I mean, it's, he tries, but I wouldn't want to be his consolation prize, so Rebecca's better off. He's trying to get at her. I know what you're saying. And then lastly, Ted does the sweet thing where he and the team spell out hi boss on the pitch the next day. So cute. Ted loves him some Rebecca. I love that that, uh, Sam jumps out and is like, we'd die for you, coach. (laughs) Oh, when he asked them to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, A little dramatic. That's a little too, too. I'm not asking. I'm just asking you to help me spell letters on the grass, Sam. Yeah. (laughs) But, and Rebecca enjoys Ted at this point too. Like you see her smile genuinely up in that window when she sees this. Higgins comes in to her office to tell her that ticket sales for the match against Man City is down 
they'll either have a half empty stadium on their side or as Rebecca suggests to him, he should release the tickets to visitors. But then Higgins says, you know, what are you crazy? Then we'll have a sea of sky blue in the crowd. That's going to hurt our chances. That's going to hurt team morale. You know, the crowd's going to be like booing our guys. Like, what are you talking about? That only increases our chances for relegation, but she doesn't care. And well, hearing this finally is too much for Higgins. And he finally pulls on her coat and gives her what for and stands up for what's right, which I've been waiting for Higgins to do for eight episodes at this point. He, yeah, he really, he really gives it to her. He's Higgins is crushing the advice. Um, and I think you also get a little bit more backstory that like she thought they were friends. Like one of the reasons why she is being quite so cruel to him mm-hmm. is because like, I think she legitimately thought they were friends. Yeah. Which is sad. And so the fact that, he was hiding this from her. I think that's we, because, because until we kind of get this one little bit, like, like, oh, they used to have lunch together. Like, and she clearly viewed him as a friend. Yeah. And that's why he is, it, he wasn't just an employee that was hiding miss, miss, like bad things his boss was doing. Like she didn't work there at that time. So one can assume she came there to see him. And, you know, they were friends and he was hiding this from her. Yeah. He would do that so that she would be distracted from what Rupert was up to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I think she's probably also questioning their friendship as well. It's bad news bears. So Rebecca is um, she's getting she's finally hearing the harsh words that she needs to hear the truth. And this is followed up by even more truth from Keeley, who comes in and reveals that she and Roy found out that Rebecca had hired that photographer from, you know, when Ted first got there. And she hired him to take that risque looking picture of Ted feeding that burger to Keeley. And Keeley threatens Rebecca, you tell him or I will. So we're left with a little bit of a cliffhanger in the form of an ultimatum. And uh, I'm just, I'm here for Keely and Higgins doing what needs to be done. Yeah, they're they're finally bringing her. I think this is the last bit of transformation for her to be brought back to who she's supposed to be. But it's like, it's been a roller coaster of a day for for Rebecca. It's been a huge roller coaster, but this is all for the for the best. Yeah, I think they, they needed to bring this fire to her. Yeah, I think she'll, I believe she comes out of the, the, the other side kind of like finally back to herself. Because I think the last thing for her to be truly who she used to be is she has to admit what she's done um, and and ask forgiveness, yep. which we know Ted will give her immediately. Yeah. So, oh, and then also before we end the recap, I just, I noticed that uh, Keely was like killing those hot pink track pants. She they were a great a, fit. That's not a that's not a look I generally like. Uh, no. but she is crushing it. It's a good they it's were, a good one for her. Yeah, they fit in like all the right places, but they were still they were like wide leg, but like they showed her shape still. It was crazy. Was it was like, great. It. it was great. I wear it this out. This is Keely. genuinely tragic. I bought a pair of wide leg pants and mm-hmm. oh boy, did they not fit. I have me some wide leg jeans that I'm excited to wear. So um let's do our segments. Let's segment it up this time you go first so oh okay you want to switch it up yeah 
Because right, I sure. feel like you always ask me first. So uh, the I'm first flexible. one is football is life. What is your favorite moment? The first one is the moment that was life. <laughs> football is life. No, 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 no. The moment that was life. Yeah. What is it? What is the moment that was life? So it, I don't know why you're yelling. So it was, it, <laughs> it was uh, I had three. Oh yeah. This time. Yes. So it was Ted's be curious, not judgmental moment in the bar I spanking like that. trash ass Rupert. It was great. Number two was Roy's speech about wanting to take things slowly with Keely. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And then number three was Higgins finally going off on Rebecca. So those were my three. What were yours? Okay, so this is really hard because for me, this is one of my favorite episodes. Like I love it. Like the whole thing is like, it is just like high point to high point to high point. The whole thing is an absolute delight. For me, it's going to be a bit different. It's that run of milk puns in the bar with (laughs) Ted just like annoying the apps. Like he's got this absolute shit eating grin on his face. And like Rebecca is like, Oh, and I love it. I love it. I Those, love it. But everything else you've said is like it's again, like I said, it's just like high point to high point to high point in this yeah. episode, and it's just very hard. Yeah. Another example of those great Rebecca looks, where her eyes just go wide, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's thinking like, like what? How the hell? many? How many of these puns do you have? How many of these weirdos do I have to deal with? <laughs> um, I love it. Okay, so the next segment is Be a Goldfish, our least favorite moment, the moment we'd like to forget. Yes. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. So for me, it was nothing. I just thought, I thought this was a great episode. All the moments were needed, even if they weren't all comfortable. Mm. And uh, if I had to pick, I would just say anytime that Rupert was speaking. So Rupert always gives me such consternation. Um, such a hard time because he used to play Giles on Buffy. He's so great at Giles. Anyway, he's terrible at this. <laughs> I know you're he's, not wrong. No, actually, like, his acting is great, but the character, yo, he's oof. phenomenal. Like the acting is great because he's he plays he's real it. gross. Well, he, he also plays it on these excellent, he plays, he's playing it on two levels. Like you can tell his, like you can tell his generosity is a power move. It's not an actual, it's not at him being actually generous. You can always tell his generosity is a power move and he plays it that way. And I think that's actually an excellent bit of acting, but it used to be Giles and I really don't like seeing Giles be evil. Anyway, um, I, if I had to pick my goldfish moment, it would be when Keely actually walks in and, and shows her the photos because just the look of just like hurt and anger on her face was like palpable and it's yeah i don't like seeing it i don't like seeing my my girl keely hurt she's just glorious the next segment is biscuits our favorite Mm -hmm. character who are you giving a treat to this episode i brought you a little something oh yeah cookies (laughs) or as y'all call them here biscuits right Okay. I guess I'm going first. Right? You're okay. going first. Go first. So for me, it's Ted. Just my boy he's, Ted. He was killing it. He's this crushing episode. It. He's crushing it. Ted, you know, had Michelle watched this episode, maybe she she wouldn't have divorced Ted. You know, he you was leave, killing it with all the ladies. Michelle, you leave Michelle alone. I will not. I will you not leave, leave Michelle It's not alone. her fault. You see her try. She just, she just fell out of love with him. I don't know what to tell Michelle you. Michelle didn't try hard enough. She didn't try hard Fish. enough. He ran to England. He, did you call me bitch? Yeah, I did. 
Whatever. He ran Michelle's to a bitch. He ran to England. <laughs> you can say that bitch for Michelle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she pushed him to England. You have no proof. You have no because proof. Because she, she, she married a man like she didn't know who this man was from the beginning. Whatever. You're the anyway. worst. Go, go for your, who, who do you anyway, like? Anyway. Um. It is also Ted. And mm-hmm. I think of course it is. honorable mention, all the diamond dogs. They are they are on fire this yep. episode. But like, especially Higgins coming in some truly clutch advice. Everyone um, should listen to Higgins. Yeah, or Beard. Beard also comes in with that. Like he very quietly often comes in with some pretty great advice. Even again, Nate in this episode is really, before he goes to Dark Nate, is really giving some excellent advice. Yeah. Um, and, but it's, it's, you know, want to know what pulls out Ted up to the top? Why it's Ted and not the diamond dogs? Sure. You know not that I need is. a reason. I don't need You a know reason. what it is. It's a goddamn milk punts. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love the stupid puns. I'm going to have to go and watch what that was again. I love it so much. They're so dumb. And Rebecca is so exasperated. <laughs> and Ted is so pleased. All right, so lastly, we have Hot Brown Water, our least favorite character. Yeah. You know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. Mine is easy. It's Rupert. Anytime that he shows up. Really? Yeah, because I didn't know there was nobody else to hate this episode. Everybody was great. No, I disagree. Go. Oh, for me, it's Rebecca. Mm -hmm. That makes Um, sense, but. Yeah. I don't, uh, like I said, with the, even with the worst moment, like, I feel like this was needed. The the, I, the plot needed this, so I don't give it to Rebecca, but go ahead. I think, I think my problem is, is that she's still at the end when basically Higgins is like, you need to, like, I think, what's he, what did he say? Hurting other people to make yourself feel better. Like, he is finally pull, calling her on our bullshit and she deflects. And I would really like to see her. I know she, I think it's the one-two punch of, if I, I don't, I don't recall the next episode. Um, but I suspect, I think it's the one-two punch of like Higgins and then Keely coming at her. Um, that her pigeons have, you know, they finally come home to roost. Yeah. And she needs to come to terms. And I just don't like her. After her being so lovely and so likable for two episodes, for her to revert back to this cold-hearted, you know, demon woman is it's hard to watch Um, i i think that she was evolving this whole episode in a pretty steady clip she got caught this episode yeah she got caught like she she didn't do anything too terrible this episode she just got caught no yes and no she got but higgins is also like she and what she says to Higgins is, is that, oh, like you think um, you'll quit. It'll be a big show. And then I'll take you back and it'll just and I'll just make your life just a little bit worse. Like she's being vindictive in a way that she shouldn't be, to be mm. honest. Mm. Um, and that's beneath her. At I hear this that point. Um, and I think I really do think she needs the one, two blows of Higgins and Keeley coming at her coming at her throat to 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 really i'm hoping next episode everything gets shook loose and she kind of finally gets gets her shit together yeah me too because uh i don't remember (laughs) neither do i 
All right. Did you have any themes this episode? I don't know that there's a clear theme this episode. What do you what do you think? Um, off the cuff, because I did not find one when I watched it, but just off the cuff, looking at my notes, I'm gonna say be curious, not judgmental. And I think it applies to definitely the Ted in the bar, him telling that story applies to Rupert, all that, yada, yada. I think it applies to Rebecca because had she been curious about Higgins and what Higgins was actually doing, um, you know, in terms of helping Rupert hide the uh, affairs, she would have taken the time to understand him a little bit more and not been as upset. I think they did a lot of airing of bad blood in today's episode had Rebecca been curious about Ted she would have gotten on the Ted train a lot sooner um I'm gonna say you know it even applies to some of the relationship stuff with Roy I think it and really Keely. applies to the relationships I think that's where the major theme carries through is Roy and Keely yeah so uh, I'm just I'm gonna pull that one out for this one okay that I I, I can I can buy that that's one of my favorite sayings from Ted Lasso. Yeah, I'm not a huge, well, I'm somewhat of a fan of taking the Lassoisms and applying them to real life, mm. uh, like be a goldfish. Um, but otherwise, I hope that people are being tongue in cheek with that because like, get a life, guys. It's, it's just a show. As I say this, um, talking on a show called Tedious Life. But <laughs> yeah, I know. But um you know, some of these things really do apply, I guess. So that's they one. Do. And I, I enjoy Ted's continued hatred of hot brown water tea. Yeah. Uh, he's he's very right on that one. But <laughs> remember that, folks. Uh, be curious, not judgmental. Okay. Yes. That'll help go you in the it. world as you go out here dealing with a bunch of bozos that you don't know that get on your nerves sometimes um you can yeah and by being curious it can just alleviate I think a lot of that aggravation because then it's it's like you're exploring it like it's something new and, and not... the, if you ask questions you might get an answer that answer might help you understand what the hell just happened so most definitely yep. sage words of advice all right well that was episode eight join us next week as we continue to go through this Ted Lasso uh, series this amazing series um also julia did you see that there's some that the sam uh twitter account was putting out september 12th as like a date that's way too soon i know right and so some people were saying that that's the date of the emmys for which you know hannah waddingham and maybe some other people are up for emmys so um i hope so also uh tv as life now has our own twitter account so uh look for us there and sign up and follow and all that stuff. But I really wanted to say, follow the Sam Obasanya, the fictional Sam Obasanya account. Uh, Cause he is shady as fuck. And um, <laughs> that's another Rebe- thing that you would expect. Uh- oh no, he, he, he gets into it with people. Uh, he's, he's a little bit of a troll, but in a positive way for the, uh, for, you know, his girl, Rebecca. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Alrighty, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this wraps it up. All right. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, 
and send your comments, theories, and just any general feelings you have about what we covered this week to tviuslifepod at gmail.com. And we may cover it on an upcoming episode. Thank y'all for listening. Until next time, take care of your characters and each other.